This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. It's been wonderful, and, and it's wonderful to be here, and I don't know if Pastor Ron's watching online, but I want to thank you for allowing me to share your pulpit today and to be a part of this ministry. This is great. I've been here for a few years, and it's been a few years since I've been back, and the board already approved that we'll be ministering twice a year, brother, so I hope you get that down. See, they're laughing because they never said that. Yeah, you had to go. And... Come on, brother. No, it's wonderful. So some of the people, let me tell you this. I will say this. This was Grace Adventures Camps. It's, it's like one of the greatest places for revivals. How many have ever gone to Grace Adventure Camps? Anybody ever been there? And so this weekend was just a highlight of years of investing from all the Ludington churches and the Grand Haven churches and this church over the years that we've had spots of revival through that camp. And so when I was preaching there, I was telling stories about some of the miracles that God did at the camp and some of the miracles that happened this weekend and God's grace for your young people. You have some of the greatest young people in the entire nation and church, I want to thank you personally for allowing me the opportunity to come and you're like, we had nothing to do with it. I know that. But um, for Pastor Jenna and her husband Rob and the rest of the team, in fact, leadership, would you do me a favor? I, I really honor leadership every time I go somewhere. Would you stand? Be careful with your back, but everybody else go ahead and stand. Come on. Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe sit, yeah, sit down. So anyways, um, some, some people ask me all the time, and I'm on a clock, so you don't have to worry about it. Pastor told me I had till 1.30. I thought it was kind of weird, but anyways... Uh, but no, I'm just kidding. It's one one fifteen. So, but some people ask me what I'm doing now. As, as an evangelist traveling now, I serve four great youth ministries, um, three in the state of Michigan, one in the state of Pennsylvania, and uh, hundreds and hundreds of young people came to our ministries. We had one of the largest ministries in Grand Rapids. We were larger than 85% of the Assembly of God churches in the nation. I would weekly run about 813 young people. So this right here was half of the church that I ran as far as young people coming in on a Wednesday night. It was like a concert every single week. Got me higher than a kite. Never been high in my life. Never had to smoke dope to get high. I just got high through the Holy Spirit. Come on. Some of you will experience it. Some will not. But I have. But I want to say this. I am traveling now full time. In the last 12 years, I start 13th year in September. I can't even believe it's already 13 years. I'm like, man, I'm so young. I just can't believe it's happening. But anyways, um. No, at 62 years old, I keep asking God, at 62, what are you doing? I've been in ministry 38 years, and I minister to three different youth groups right now a week. So I'm raising youth ministry all over this place. So I'm up in Rockford, Michigan, at a place called Cedar Springs, Rockford area. We went as an outreach to the Cedar Springs High School, ran about 60, 70 kids, and it turned it into a youth ministry called Refuge Youth Ministry, and now we run about 80, some young people, and uh, God's turned it in from a youth group that does an outreach instead of an outreach trying to find the youth. So it's amazing what God's done. Then I travel every Wednesday and Thursday to Chicago. I go to Hanover, which is four hours, 
After I'm done on a Wednesday night, I drive an hour down to Orland Park. Anybody ever here at Orland Park, Illinois? And I minister to a group there, then I travel back, and then every other weekend I'm on the road like this. My wife is a nurse. She's a uh, pediatric ICU nurse at Spectrum Hospital in Grand Rapids. She really is the, she's really, I should have her preach because my wife is grace. My wife is the miracle. My wife is the miracle worker. I, I don't know how she does this. You know, with the little tiny ones all the way to 18 years old trying to find an eye, a vein for an IV. How many know what I'm talking about? One time she took care of a baby that was one pound, five ounces. I used to call the hospital and try to, you know, ask questions like, hey, listen, that baby that was born, who's the nurse that's watching that baby? Because I'd like to know. And they'd be like, Randy, will you quit calling the hospital? We can't give you that information. I was like, snap. Because every time I asked my wife, she would never tell me. But somehow I knew she was. And the miraculous story about that one pound, five ounce baby, one pound, five ounce baby that was a miracle is about six years later, my wife comes home from the midnight shift and she gets on Facebook and she sees this little six-year-old nugget that's celebrating a birthday and she begins to weep. She didn't know that I went to the hospital like two nights before that baby was released or, you know, taken care of. And I watched my wife take care of that baby with a crying mother in the incubator with the gloves on and trying to do all this stuff. And God messed me up. See, my wife is like, you can't come to the hospital because you're a traffic jam. Don't ever come up and watch me work because you're chaos. She's kind of right, but we don't always talk about it. But now after rendering three different youth ministries and 38 years in youth ministry and still being able to be able to preach the gospel and lead people to Jesus, is, it's an honor. I want to preach a message called The Love of the Father. How many people have ever heard of a gentleman named Andrew Walmack? Andrew Walmack came up with this because the President of the United States right now made a statement that struck me. He said, we have a mandate ahead of us for the soul of America. Now, I don't care what side of the track you're from. I'm, I'm into the politics, but I'm not. I could care less what you're thinking or what's going on. I think about kingdom. That's my political realm is the power of the kingdom of God. But I got news for you. Our culture's in trouble. And there is a mandate for the soul of America. He was right. He wasn't lying. But Andrew Walmack said it right. He said when God created this heaven, the heavens and the earth and everything about it, and it took six days and the seventh day he rested, he said, I think culture has a mistake of what the seventh day was. How many of you thought the seventh day was just a day of rest, just like take it easy and rest? Don't lie, you're in church. All my life my parents were like, it's the Sabbath, you gotta have a nap, you gotta take it easy because it's Sunday. You know what, I celebrate the Sabbath every single day, so it doesn't matter what day I rest, I really don't. I'm like ricochet rabbit on something. But he said this purposely because he said, I think that the culture thinks there's, there's this big theory that God took a rest because he was like done and he was tired and he couldn't do any more and there was like, you know, I, I'm gonna figure it out. Is there something else that I've missed? The reason why God says take a rest is because culture tries to tell us that we're running out of stuff. We're running out of land, we're running out of cows, we're running out of pigs, we're running out of food, we're running out of all this land. How many know what I'm talking about? 
culture keeps saying that we're pressing the envelope. But God said this. I love what Andrew Maul, the seventh day, he sat back and said, I'm well pleased for what's been done. I have created from the beginning until the end. That's the love of the Father. He says, I am Father God Almighty. I will, you will have everything at your abundance. You will not have to plead for it. You will not have to beg for it. I began it, and I'm going to finish it. And everything we do to store up, because we have these pandemics and get more water and generates. How many remember, how many remember the year 2000? Why to K? K being 2000, why? Why care? I used to say something, I, I'm why to care. Why to K, young people, some of you weren't even born yet, you're like, oh, 2000, what is that? And anyways, but there was a guy that wrote a book named Grant Jeffries. How many people remember this? I was at Grand Rapids first. Remember when they said you can't drive the vehicle because there's a chip in the vehicle and while you're driving it, Christ is coming. You'll be stuck on the side of the road. Somebody's going to rip you off, steal and stuff and beat you up and leave you and you're going to die. We're all going to heaven. How many people remember? Three of you, honestly. You know, I like participation. I'm tired of people like, if I told you I have $100 in my pocket, I'll give you right now, what's going to happen? See, that's what I thought. Somebody should have stand, stood up and said, I want it right now. But see, our cultures taught you to be, be quiet and shut up. Our culture teaches you that you can't speak out. Our culture has manipulated that all of a sudden the First Amendment doesn't happen for Christians because we can't say what we want to say because we got to, we got to come on now, how many are following what I'm saying? I'm tired of what culture is trying to preach to me because I am in this culture, but I'm not of this culture. And that's what Jesus Christ preached. Jesus said, listen, man, I'll go where the prostitutes are in the bars. He said, I'm not going in those places. People have this all screwed up. They think that he went in the bars. He's drinking with everybody. He's smoking with people. He's sitting with the prostitutes and where they're at. That's not what the Bible says. But we're messed up because that's what somebody told us. So the Bible says, how do we know about this love of the Father that created all things and knows all things and cares about you? It's an amazing day when you hear things like uh, the Father, it's negative in our generations. See, the Father is not positive in a fatherless generation. That's why when you sing songs like he's a good, good father, people don't like that because they're reminiscent on their own father. How many know what I'm talking about? Like my dad, my dad was an okay man that became a great man but he wasn't always a good man. I loved my dad, but my dad, I don't think, really, really knew who I was. My three sisters, I'm the only boy, and my father called me Mr. to the age of 17. My father used to do things and just not abuse me in any way, but I was his workhorse, and that was it, period. My dad used to whip me. How many people have ever had a spanking? How many have ever? <laughs> Look at you, now the older ones are like, young ones are like, I'm calling the popo, you say that again. So my dad used to put me over his knee, and every message is different. I'll probably preach this totally different. I'll just throw this one in here. Because the message today is on the love of the Father. And sometimes my father used to put me over his knee and say, Son, you have no idea how much I love you. This hurts me more than it hurts you. And I'd be like, you're such a fool. So I was 14 years old, and it's funny. My, I played soccer, I wrestled, and I said to my dad one day, I said, Dad, let me ask you a question. You think this bootay got this big from playing sports? We shouldn't say that in church because we're in church. You said bootay. 
My dad used to beat my coolie like no man's dream. How many know what I'm talking about? My dad never laid, a, never laid a hand on me. It was always with his belt. When that belt came out, my mother was totally different. My mother was totally How many have mothers that are like casual hitters? Come on, how many? Can we not have fun in church? Y'all looking at me like I did something wrong. You're 30 feet away from me. I can't even spit near you, but you're looking at me like I'm the disease. If I, I was telling somebody earlier, I have icons. I have a certain person that I'll sit and look at at every section because the rest of you, I don't even want to look at you. Because you sit there like this. <laughs> My dad puts me over his knee, pulls out the belt. I'm laying over, I'm 14 years old. I'm laying over his knee. Son, I love you. And he's kind of doing one of these things, like getting ready. And he hits me. I'm like, I'm like. My mom's outside in the hallway trying to figure out what's going on. I started laughing. And I said, Dad, let me just put it this way, man. You might as well just stop. Because first of all, let's do something a little different here. Let's do something. Let's play reverse roles. Let me put you over my knee. And let me tell you how much it hurts me to hurt you. My dad's like, ain't going to happen. I said, I didn't think so. But you have to stop hitting me because it doesn't hurt me anymore. Because the callus that you created, it's not. And my dad never hit me after that day. Never hit me with a belt. Never touched me after that day. It was a learning lesson. My mom, a little different story. How many have a mother that's like really the father? So when they say things like when your father gets home, that's stupid. It doesn't matter. When dad came home, we were glad. We were like, oh, thank God dad's home. My mom wouldn't mess with you. My mom would be like, she'd be, I'm full-blooded Italian, so I know what it's like. You guys, Gentiles call it spaghetti sauce. We call it gravy, okay? So, I'm in a, in fact, Grand Rapids is so Gentile-ish, it's nuts. I, I go over there from, gosh, what's going on in Grand Rapids? I, I sat down, and I said, I'll take the pasta with some gravy, and uh, I'll have uh, garlic bread and whatever. They came out with brown gravy, like mashed potatoes, over my pasta. I said to the lady, what the heck's going on here? She said, well, you asked for gravy. I'm like, oh, you're such a Gentile. I said, what comes with spaghetti? She says, spaghetti sauce. I said, gravy. So my mom would be stirring the spaghetti sauce. And I'd be like, listen, woman, when's dinner? She, woman. Listen, woman, when's, and I was like, oh, snap. Whoa, man. Whoa, man, when's dinner? She'd be like, put it right back in. How many had a mother like that? Hey, she'd be like, hey, what'd you say to me? I said, I'd say, hey, I'd say, put it back in. I mean, I had spatula welts on my face, but the spaghetti sauce was incredible. So I know what it's like to have a mother that plays the role of a father because in our generation, trust me, I travel over the country multi-denominationally, we have this defunct situation. How many have ever heard of Muskegon Correctional Facility? I've preached there for years and I found a statistic that blows my mind because in prisons, 80% of all prisoners were raised or were born and brought to a church, raised in a church, 80% of all prisoners. Did you know that? They went to church one time or another, but something happened because 87% of all those incarcerated, no father in the home. 
Now you do your own statistics. Go home and Google because you're going to call me a liar, but that's okay. You do your thing, I'll do my thing. I'm just telling you what reality is. Reality is we have a fatherless generation. And thank God now this Gen Z, which last time I checked, unless culture's gonna change something else. Hello. And they're gonna say, we're gonna add another uh, letter to the alphabet. Gen Z is the last letter in the alphabet. I told these young people this. God has saved the best for last. Listen, your generations, you had your chance, and you're still doing your thing, but God says, I'm raising up an army that's sassy, crazy, incredible, out of the box, going to do something nobody's ever done, and that's this generation right here, Gen Z. And that's good when you clap. Because what I love about what God's doing in this generation is he's causing people to ask the question, See, you're right, Jenna, because, the, Pastor Jenna, the millennials are what screwed a lot of things up with a man named, I'll, I won't say Rob Bell's name, but his name from Grand Rapids, he kind of screwed things up and, and put me on TV, and I'm glad I'm on there, and someday I hope, Oprah Winfrey, you have enough guts to invite me on your show, because you have screwed up a millennial generation, Bill Clinton did, when I've never had sex with, so then we have this Oprah, there are many avenues, come on, somebody, why don't we preach the word of God and start telling the truth? And that's an okay clap. Don't clap anymore because those little courtesy claps, I don't deal with that, okay? I don't deal with this. <laughs> Listen, I'm telling the truth and the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God. And you're about 25 feet away, so don't worry about it. But what I'm saying is this. Until we get truthfully real with God about how somebody screwed up generations, and now they're the, they're the seed of that generation trying to figure it out because moms and dads aren't in their lives. They're being raised by grandparents, aunts and uncles, foster care. Come on, somebody. Let's start telling the truth. We have a fatherless generation. And I know there's a lot of fathers in here, and I'm thankful to God that you're in here. Breathing in your kid's life, taking ownership in your kid's life, raising them. But all over this country, we're hurting because the love of the Father is not being preached. Psalms 103, 13 says, The Lord is like a father to his children, tender, compassionate to those who fear him. Man, listen, I, I didn't really even fear my father. Because my father was not a part of my life. I didn't fear him as being my dad. I didn't take responsibility. He was supposed to be my father. He didn't take responsibility of being in that position. But I'll tell you what I never did do. I never disrespected the position. Young people, you better get this. Whether you like your dad or not, they're still your father. You better respect the position because if you don't respect the position, when you get there, you're going to find out what no respect is. So learn to respect the position whether you respect the person. Come on, somebody. That's good stuff. Proverbs 3, 11, 12 says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those who he loves. As the father, the son he delights in. Listen, my father disciplined me sometimes because he would say, I love you. But there were times where I know he didn't love me. But when my father came to Christ, everything changed. When my dad found the love of the father, that he never had and never grew up with, five different uh, children in his home. He was farmed out to an uncle. He was beat every day. He was, I'm telling you, my dad went through things after I learned late, later in life. No wonder this man didn't know how to love because he never received love of the Father. So I want you to go to Luke chapter 15 with me real quick in your Bibles. Young people, if you don't have a Bible on your phone, 
go out to a bookstore this week and buy a beautiful Bible. Or put the app on your telephone and you'll have it all the time. Because the phones that you didn't have this weekend, thank God, you had a weekend without that stupid piece of it. Come on. Oh, parents, you're no different. Your lifeline is your phone. I don't know what we did as kids when we didn't have phones. I know we had that stupid string with two cans. We tried that thing, but outside the house, it wouldn't go down the street. And we had phone cords from here to that cross back there. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, my dad be in the basement. It's like, just a second, run downstairs with that boom. And that cord was like a mile and a half long. How many know? My dad be on the phone. We'd play jump rope with it. We'd be like, hey, hey. How many people remember that? Say, I got to speak to this side because old school over here. It says this, he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, the father saw him and had compassion. He ran, fell on his neck, and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf here and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. For my son was dead, is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry, and they began to celebrate. There's three things I want to talk about just real quickly. The robe. What does the robe represent? This robe represents Christ. It was immediate demonstration of complete approval, the love, the mercy, and as well as protection. What he said to his son was, you have come home, and I want to present Christ to you. I want to robe you with this man named Jesus. I want to be able to put Christ on you to protect you, that you'll no longer have the spirit of dum-dum on you, but you'll come to a man named Jesus that can take care of all things. Son, you're broken. Son, you have nothing. You squandered your entire inheritance. You know what we fight over in America today? Inheritance. I just buried one of my great friends this last week, died on, buried him on Tuesday. Within 11 days from diagnosis, he died 11 days later. Just like that. Missionary to Rome, Italy. One of the greatest friends I've ever been around. Married off all three of his daughters. In fact, I went to Rome, Italy for seven days. I did a 40th renewal of wedding vows to them in Rome. I did conventions for him, retreats for him, speed the light for him. I ran to Youth Alive for the state of Michigan for him, and, and now he's gone. The first thing out of the sibling's mouth, you like to hear this one, was, We're mad. He got the inheritance. There's a problem in America. You want to know another thing? There's a problem within the Christian church. Because everybody's depending and hoping on an inheritance. How many have Christian moms and dads that they are everything to you? How many people were raised in? You can put your hands up a little bit higher because we're not Forrest Gump. We're talking about, you know, like the real thing here. See, my hands go up because my mom's 91 years old and she's still kicking it. No, I mean kicking it. This woman's sick. I don't even know what the happen. What's going on here? She's 91 years old, four foot. She's nothing, okay? She's so tiny. She's like about this big, and I just love her. I just want to squeeze her, but if I squeeze her, I'm going to hurt her, and she's going to die. So I don't even, I just kind of go like this. I kind of, you know, I don't know how to even get around there. I'm not even going to be like, I'm, I, Francine's like, boom. I'm like, don't touch it. Get your hands. Just 91. She still drives a beast, a car. Seriously. <laughs> Crown Victorian. She lives in Pittsburgh. Do you know what the hills are like in Pittsburgh? 
So she has this driveway that's like this. She backs in. She's back in the driveway. Mirror view mirror. Not even the side. She's just like back in, back in. Boom. And then we put this big guardrail up so she doesn't go over the mountain. She's never even hit that. She comes in perfect landing every time. 91 years old, still driving. So I go home and visit her, and I'm, as I'm visiting her, I notice, I'm a little facetious. You know, I don't know if you can probably get that, but I'm a little, I'm a, I'm a little irritator, you know what I'm saying, sometimes, and I'm a little, <laughs> I'm like that other side of Chucky. You know, I'm not the killing side. I'm kind of like, <laughs> side. So my sisters, I have three si- sisters. I'm the only boy, okay? I go home, my sisters have labeled everything. They've labeled everything. They put, they put their name. Come on, you saw what I'm talking about. People put their names on stuff. I want the hutch. I want the dishes. I want this. I want that. Hey, that's a nice washer and dryer. Randy, you just bought that from mom. I want that. I thought I just bought it from mom. Why are you getting it? How many know what I'm talking about? Does anybody follow me? If you're tracking me, at least give me a little. <laughs> just bear with me, okay? Make it look like you're engaging a little bit because we're, we're in a Pentecostal church. I thought we were, right? We're in a Pentecostal church. It'd be, it's okay to just go, woo, every once in a while. Because then you're going to act charismatic and somebody's going to get nervous. Then you're going to have to tell them what, I got, what just happened. Okay? And some of you will probably scare the Jesus into them. It's okay. So I go home and I, I have this thing and I'm like, I'm seeing all this stuff. I said to mom, what's going on here? Like, everybody's tagging, oh, Randy, you know, when I pass, I want them to have whatever they want. I'm like, mom, I don't need anything. What you gave me, you gave me Jesus. Listen, I don't need a material thing to remember you by. I will care. So I video my mom. I, I, I record my mom because I want to have that for the rest of my life. So what I do, thank you. I, what I do is I go around and I switch names. So I switched them all up. So my mom, we celebrated her 90th birthday, but on her 89th birthday, I'm traveling the country. I'm, I'm like some, somewhere else. My three sisters went home for my mom's 89th. And they're all, I'm like, Mom, happy birthday. Listen, I, I'm in so-and-so, and I just love you. And how are you doing? And the girls are like, we're all here. We came home for mom's birthday. And I'm like, who cares? I said, Mom, so what I want you to do, Mom, because my mom has it on speakerphone. She don't do this. She does this. Hey, listen, uh, we're all here, and I'm on speakerphone. I'm like, Mom, can you hold it back a little bit? And so she sa- I said to her, I said, can the girls hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. I said, Mom, for the love of God, will you just tell them? Just tell them. Tell them. I know I'm not there, but just tell the girls who I am. Oh, Randy, come on. And they're like, no, Mom, don't. And she's like, he's my favorite. And I'm like, say it again, Mom. He is girls. He's my favorite. Because the rest of you always argue over stuff. And Randy, I'm like, ha, ha. <laughs> but it's all about the inheritance. And I'm like, girls, how can you do this? How can you keep saying you want all this stuff? Well, I want a memory. And, it, and it's okay. It's okay. Because some of you are sitting out there going, I, I marked everything. <laughs> you know who you are. You're like, I already started marking. My mom's in her 50s, but I'm not going to waste time, Okay. My mom's in her 20s. I'm getting now. Hey. But it's always about the inheritance. We fight. But I realize who, where my inheritance is, is kingdom. You know what I got mad about Rick di- passing away and dying on Tuesday when I did his funeral? That he beat me there. I, I, listen, I have these things about kingdom. I see, I could see when he ke- stepped into kingdom. And here's this father that runs to his son that's been gone and squandered everything. And he runs and he falls at his feet and he grabs his neck and he hugs him and he puts this robe around him and says, I still approve of you. What a love of a father.
puts a ring on his finger and this is great affection. It's a symbol of being a place of an office of authority. It's among the rich was a sign as wealth and dignity. Put that ring back on his finger. He's my son. Put that ring back on his hand. That's what that stands for. Then he says the sandals. We have put your feet affirming the sonship. You know my prayer for you today is if you get anything out of this sermon is will you walk out of here knowing the love of the Father. Wear the sandals. Wear, the Bible says in Joshua chapter one, when Moses dies, he says to Joshua, Joshua, not only will I give you twice as much, but everywhere you step your foot, you can claim for the kingdom of God. You know how I walk in this world as five foot six? Been this tall since sixth grade. I walk as though I know that I can. You're not taking that away from me. Listen, I didn't have to drink it, smoke it, toke it. I didn't have to have sex before marriage to experience what my dad did. I watched my father. I watched that father. But you know what happened to me at eight years old? I fell in love with the father. And the love of the Father poured into me. And the love of the Father gave me this Bible. And he gave me biblical principles. And he says, don't be a statistic. Be a trendsetter. Get out there, man. Let every step you take, you claim for Christ. When you get into school, put the backpack on. Step in the, open the doors and say, today, God, I cause hell to shake today in the presence of God Almighty. I know who I am. I know who my Father is. Every step that I take, come on, somebody. <laughs> Woo! I let my dogs out at 4.30 in the morning. I don't know what's up at 4.30, but doggone, I keep getting up at 4.30. Not with my wife. I'll get home this weekend. I'm gone three or four days. She'll say to me, what are you doing? I'm like, I got to let the dogs out. She says, they don't get up for me till 6.30. I'm like, you know something, boys? I get them down. I look at them. Romeo and Cosmo, what's up with you guys? They're like, we just want treats and go outside. I'm like, don't talk to me like that. You don't do it to your mother. Why are you doing it to your father? Because you're a sucker. I'm like, listen, don't call me that. Well, don't look at me like I'm weird. How many have animals? Don't tell me you don't talk to your pets. I got one that watches TV. I'm like, come on, Cosmo. He's like, I'm not done with the show yet. I said, son, it's time to go outside. I'm not done yet. I have to go. I said, you got to go outside and do your business. I don't have to go outside and do anything. I got dogs. But at 4.30 when I get up in the morning, let me tell you this. If you've never done this, try this. I'm telling you, there's two things I pray. When I put my feet on the ground at 4.30 in the morning, here's what I pray. Young people, you got to get this. Because if you get this, no weapon formed against you will prosper. You'll defeat the enemy with your thoughts. Every thought that you hold captive, you'll start defeating this no good person called Satan that wants to take you out. So check this one out. I get up at 4.30 in the morning. My dogs get up. When my feet hit the floor, I say two things. God, today, Philemon chapter 1, verse 20, refresh my heart in Christ today. Hmm. Some of you are like, what? Refresh my heart in Christ today. Second thing, my feet are already touched. I pray this prayer. I want you to start praying this. Lord, today, I cause hell to shake so when I walk into a restaurant where my wife tells me I've been stopping too many times you know you wives are you guys are not really always life givers you're like hey listen I'm on this diet they're on that keto thing and they're going nuts and they're like turning to nothing 
You're like, you look so tiny. Well, you look so fat. I'm like, oh my gosh. Words of affirmation. Tell me something I don't know, okay? I just love Cracker Barrel. What's wrong with this thing? But see, let me just tell you this. I'm just teasing about my wife because she does do that sometimes. She's a nurse, so she's worried about me. But I just say, Lori, you know what I did today? I asked a question at Cracker Barrel and had a waitress break down and start crying. And I prayed over her for the healing of her uncle that's dying of cancer. Hmm, did you do that at the hospital today? You might be skinny, but I'm telling you why I'm fat is because I'm fat with Jesus. And he's welling up in me. And until I let him out, I'm pokey. Come on, guys, that's a good one to start with. I'm swelling up for Jesus. I'm just telling you straight up. Come on, brother. The Father, I'll wrap this up because I think the band left to start coming up on the stage. The loving Father is one who's always looking. The loving Father is one who runs towards, not away. A loving Father is one who holds no grudges. Holds no grudges. A loving Father is one who gives the best to his children, the best to his children. A loving Father is always feeding, always feeding, not just food, but always feeding affirmation, the word of God. That's a loving Father. A loving Father is one who celebrates when one comes home. How many of you today have wayward children? How many of you have wayward parents? How many have an item of misfits? It's called family. Yeah, it's the uncle that shows up at the reunion. It's like, what the heck is that? That's your Uncle Jimmy. It's like, mm, where did he come from? How many know what I'm talking about? Come on, parents, don't lie. We sit there sometimes, we got to justify who that cat is. You've never seen him because he's been in prison for 37 years, I'm just saying. Okay? Or that guy's never been around because he's not, you know, I remember meeting my family. How many have pretty good-sized families? You have family reunions? I love the ones that do the names. You get the big names and you're down in Florida at Walt Disney World, and it's like the Johnson family. And there's like 97 of you. You get the little hats on. I love those kind of reunions. We've never did that. We don't have the money to do that. We're all Italians. We're just stirring spaghetti sauce and feeding the poor. So here's what happens. My family, I go to reunion one time, and I said to my dad, who's that? He got a big stogie in his mouth. It's all the Catholic side of my dad's side, all Catholic side. And it's like, son, whatever you do, don't go over there. Don't talk to him. Don't ask. Because you can hear him going, hey, how you doing? Hey, Jimmy, give me another beer. And I'm like, little tiny guy, like three foot nothing. I'm just telling you. And he's sitting down. I'm like, dad, why not? And he goes, <laughs> that he's, he's in the mafia. I didn't know what that was. I'm like 14 years old. I'm like, mafia who? He's in the mafia. I'm like, okay, what's, what happens? Can I? So I go over and introduce myself. Like, I'm saved. I'm thinking, if I can get the stogie out of his mouth, I may be able to lead this clown to Jesus. How many know what I'm talking about? Because, see, I didn't have to experience stupidity to be on fire for Jesus. I didn't have to. I watched. I watched my dad, and I watched my mom. And I chose to run towards. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You have your father. You have your mother. You choose to run towards one or the other. Come on. Because you see grace. So I go over, and I'm like, hey, listen, um, Uncle, and he goes, it's Vinny. Uncle Vinny, how appropriate. I said, Uncle Vinny, um, I noticed that I've never seen you around here before. He goes, I don't come around. 
because your family doesn't want me around. I said, then why are you here today? He said, well, I just came around because family doesn't want me around. So I thought, I'll come around, see if they accept me. I said, well, they're all sitting over there, and you're sitting here. That's a pretty good sign. I don't know. I, I can figure one plus one is two. I can put things together. I'm thinking the puzzle's over there. You're the odd piece that's never going to fit over there. So why are you here? So I sit down and pull a chair up, and I'm like, Uncle Vinny, you don't know who I am. He goes, I know who you are. You're the son of Don Giovanni. I said, how do you know? Because I've been following you. I love your family. I know your family. I'm the uncle they won't talk to. I said, well, you're crazy. Who tells a mafia guy that? I said, you're on the other side of the track. I said, let me tell you this. I'm going to say one thing to you before I get back to the other side and leave you alone. If you don't come to a reckoning of Jesus Christ in your life, and not on your deathbed, but a 14-year-old boy that's going to tell you about Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, until you accept him and get that stogie out of your mouth and start cleaning yourself up, you're not going to be accepted on that side of the family. Because what we want to do is bring you over from a, the one sheep that's lost to the 99. What do you think, Uncle Vinny? And that day, he got off that chair and walked over to the other side. Let me just say this to you. My dad was like, what do you know? I'm like, I'm inviting him to the party. Is that not what the father does? Come on. So in your stuff, in all the things that you've gone through, in all the things that you've been through, the love of the father loves unconditionally. He loves beyond my faults. He loves in spite of me and how I treat him. He loves past my wounds. He loves past my pointed words because I can get mad at God. How many have ever gotten mad at God? Don't lie. I mean, there's times I'm like, for real. For the uh, God, are you for real? How does he end up here? And I'm burying this guy when he was doing so much for your kingdom. God, he's three times more than what I'm doing. God, it's not, it's not right. How many have ever, some of you. And it's the love of the Father continues to chase me. Let me finish with two stories, and I'll, I'll be done. You can play a little something soft or something, because they're trying to wait for something anyways. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> evangelist always, everybody else knows a normal service, and the evangelist comes, and it's like froze. It's like, what do we do? There's a young boy up in Reed City. I've been doing these interims, so I, I'm an interim youth pastor for three right now, I've been at one church for eight months. They haven't had a youth pastor for six years. In fact, I worked up here in Muskegon Whitehall at New Beginnings Church for six months. I missed that church. I loved those kids, but I got them a youth pastor. And a few months later, Adrian decided to go to Chicago. He moves to Chicago, calls me back in a year, September will be one year I've been in his church. He's like, I, I want to hire you full-time. I'm like, dude, start paying me full-time. He didn't want to do that. So I'm up there in September. I, I've been with him for since almost a year in September, trying to raise him youth ministry. I do these interims, and I was there, and I left, and I went down over to Reed City. Reed City had a, he wanted me to raise a youth ministry with one girl. 
There are a whole church of millennials. They're young. They're in their 30s. They have baby booming. There's babies everywhere. I mean, they have a daycare center and all this stuff. And I said, listen, hire a children's pastor. You don't want to hire a youth pastor. You got one girl. She's only 12 years old. The oldest girl in the church. They said, no, if anybody can raise a youth ministry, it's you. And I'm like, listen, man, this is crazy. I'm driving up here an hour and a half every single week now. You want me to drive up an hour and a half to Reed City and be a part of this? Yes, we want to invest in you. I said, okay, we'll give it a shot. This is 2019 in December. So we plan, we get a leadership team together like your gorgeous leaders for young people. And I have six or seven leaders. We start feeding young people. We start to do Zooms now. The pandemic's hit. We're doing Zoom. And that one girl invites three. So now there's four on a Zoom with us. Then there's 20. Then there's 25. Then there's 35 in this whole pandemic. My leaders are coming on. I'm empowering them to do, to do um, devotions. And we always split devotions and we prayed with our kids. We had a, we had a um, you ever hear the, the, the lottery like for sports? You have the draft. So we did a draft board and I took these kids and they took these kids and they took, because we were running about 50 kids now on Zoom. So we split the whole youth group up into like fives and sevens. And so those months we weren't there. Then we finally went back there in June of last year, in June of 20, and we had our first service. And we had like 45, 50 kids in the youth group from one girl. But how they really got there was the week before we had a big party at the school. They had a basketball game, and we were giving out cards. Would you come? Would you come to the gymnasium? The actual school in Reed City is on the parking lot of the church. The church is at the end of the parking lot of the school. And so we invite them to have cookies and donuts and cider and all this kind of stuff. And they started coming down. And we had over 150 young people in the gym that night with all these parents. It was, it was like from one girl, 12, 12 years old. So check this out. I raised the youth minister in that time, but this kid named Tyler is the one giving all these invites. And there's a huddle of kids over here, huddle of kids over here, and there's a circle of kids over here that are making fun because Tyler had a lift, and he talked like this. And he's like, then why don't you come to our youth group? Why don't you come on out and have some stuff? Man, he's a junior in high school. Come on out, we're just going to have this whole thing, and we're just going to invite you. We're going to have fun with you. We're going to give you donuts and hot chocolate. You understand what I'm saying. He's talking that way. So there's a huddle that night at the, the, the whole outreach with coffee, donuts, everything. The gym's loaded with 120 plus all the church people. It's amazing what God did. And they're, they're teasing this kid. And here comes this man that walks into a circle and says, hey guys, listen, we're glad you're here, but what are you doing? What's going on? And they're like, oh, not, nothing, nothing, nothing. He said, wait, I overheard you. Are you like making fun of this Tyler kid? And they're like, well, sir, we're not really, yes, you were. You're making fun of his speech. You're making fun of how he talks. How could you do that? And they're like, well, wait a minute. Time out here. Why are you judging us? Who are you? And he said, I'm the father. That's my son. Did you not come here because of the invite? All of a sudden now you're making fun of his speech, but you're here. And you're enjoying the blessings of a church? Yeah, I'm the father. And you know what? I'm well pleased with my son because my son's the evangelist. My son got you here. That kid with the lisp that has had all his life is doing more for Jesus than all of you that say you go to church because that's the love of the father. 
The love of the Father is a rescuer. The love of the Father. I finish with this one. When Paul, which was Saul, was on the road to Damascus, he was going to persecute those in the church. How many people know the story? As he's on the road to Damascus, God shows up. Lightning comes down from heaven, big light, strikes him, and he says, who are you, Lord? God blinds him and puts these, these scales on his eyes, and the Bible says it leads him to this place called Damascus, and there's Ananias. And he has to take this guy, Paul, the persecutor of the faith. How many know when you lose one thing, like your eyes or ears, there's other senses that well up? So he lost his sight, but he could have his ears. He could hear everything. I can imagine Paul laying there, blind, just there, but the hurls of insults, the hurls of insults flooding his ears and his heart. How could you do this? This is a persecutor. They're probably using profanity even though they're loving Jesus. They're talking about this stuff, and they're saying all these derogatory things. Come on, church. It sounds sometimes, uh-oh, like the church. See, the reason I believe God allowed a pandemic was to wake up the church. Now, you can have all your theories, but I think it was to wake up the church because I'll tell you, the church has been dormant. We're not even preaching anymore. I know not th this church does, but our churches don't preach anymore about altars and salvation and rededication and coming to a place. We don't do it anymore. We preach this positive interest. Go out there and be positive. Go out there and speak life into somebody. They don't talk about Jesus. They talk about things. Come on. I'm not lying to you. I'm all over this country. And Paul's hearing these whole things. And there's this guy, Ananias, that steps down and says, Paul, do you hear what they're saying? Yes, I'm broken, I'm broken. Paul, do you hear what they're saying? Yes, I hear what I'm saying. They're saying it's not me anymore. It's not me anymore. What do you want, Paul? I want the love of the Father. And Ananias, for three days, begins to minister. Come on, does anybody know this story? He begins to minister to this guy named Paul. The scales fell off of Paul's eyes. He's able to see now, but he's restored by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is consumed in his life now. Now, Paul is ready to go. And what happens with Paul, you know what I'm talking about. When I was in Rome, I went to the prison where Paul was at. I saw the hole that they cut and they lower and throw him down in a hole. I saw the sewage where the sewage ran through and that was their jail cell. Where the rats were and a little tiny flickering candle over here. Where Paul began to write so much in the New Testament. Come on church, what are we doing? Why are you still running? Why are you still looking for something else than the love of the Father? Because culture's not giving you love. They're telling you what to say now. They're telling you who you are now. You can't say even parents and mom and dad anymore. It's the birthing person. Come on, what's going on with our culture? And the church is not rising up yet. Until they realize when they step and say, I caused hell to shake today. I walked into Cracker Barrel in Indiana. Masks are on. Went up to this lady and I said, hey, uh, just one. I said, aren't you tired of these masks? No. 
I love my president. I love what he mandated. The CDC and this and that. And I said, oh, come on. You can't be following all that. She said, I do. What are you, a trumper? That's what she said to me. You had tr- I said, do I have a hat on? Do you see me with a scarf? Do you see anything red, white, and blue? She said, no. I said, I'll tell you what I am. I'm a kingdomer. And let me tell you something, lady. I'm going to keep coming in this restaurant. You're going to keep greeting me. But you're going to find out I'm about God's kingdom, not this earth kingdom. I'll tell you what, you can follow all you want. You can hate all you want. But I'm going to tell you right now, I'm an American, but I'm following the kingdom of God. This is not my kingdom. I'm preaching to her. She's, she's like, can I seat you? I said, I'm not done yet. I said, listen, you brought it up. You're the one. I asked you one simple question. You're throwing stuff in my face like I'm a redheaded stepchild. Oh, no, nobody redheaded. Please don't do that. I'm sorry. But you know what I'm talking about. It's like always getting the last of everything. <laughs> because you're redhead, you're angry, you have freckles. Yeah, whatever. Listen, I'm not coming back probably for another two years, so just let me finish. You better bring me back on. So I'm having this conversation with her, and she said, can you seat him? I said, ma'am, I'm not ready to be seated yet, because you, you really sp- uh, sp- sparked something in me. Listen to me, I'm not about a political party. Although I know what was happening and I know the politics and I understand the procedures and what we have right now, I don't even know what we have right now, but if we don't get our God and our kingdom, I'm telling you, I'm getting kind of loud. I'm like, if we don't allow God and our kingdom and God's kingdom to come right now, I walk through this culture, I am not in this culture, I am in the name of Jesus and that's the colors I wear. some of you are saying, you're like, you're a freak, dude. You're free. I am a freak. I know I'm a freak, but I have a mother that raised me right. And I have a dad that I led to Jesus that was defunct in my life. And I buried a father at 80 years old that was a zero in my life, became a hero. And all he kept saying to me is before he died, his last breath was, preach, preach, preach. That's all I know. Now I go back every week, every single week I go back to Cracker Barrel. It's my, it's my halfway point before I get to Chicago. Well, it's kind of like earlier, so I just want to stop sooner. Now I walk in, first thing, mask off and everything, and all I hear is this. Hey, Rev, come on, I got a seat. I'm like, but there's people waiting. Come on, Rev. I'm, not, I'm telling you the truth. Come on, Rev, come on. That lady that challenged me. I never told her I was a preacher. I told her I was about kingdom. And now I got a label. When I go to the seat, the ladies are like, we know you like to read, we know you like to study, we'll come back with the order. Would you like coffee and water? Hey Rev, take your time. Take your time, Rev. You know what my goal is? My goal is to lead every employee to Jesus at take Cracker Barrel. Now you have your business, I've got my business. But I'm telling you what right now, I am not of this world, man. I am a freak of nature and I understand that. But I'm going to tell you this right now. I am the dynamite God's called to come blow up some of your ideology and some of your thinking. And the problem is you're on the other side of the track. You've been scarred, you've been hurt. You're blaming somebody else for why you're not serving Jesus? Are you for real? 
Like, I'm not serving Christ because my dad, well, you know what? Your dad can't stand before God for you. And my mother is like, listen, your mother might have abandoned you. People have left you. Grandma and grandpa are raising you. You might be raised by somebody else, an aunt and an uncle. God bless if somebody took you in. But I'm telling you right now today, all of your junk, you can throw in this altar. The first sermon, this blew my mind. There's a little tiny baby. A little, I'm up here preaching, and this little baby just starts walking towards me. And this little child, and I'm talking about the love of the Father. And she looks at me and I'm like hi sweetheart she puts her hands up and I take her into my arms man you talk about another illustration for the love of the father it has never happened in my life ever preaching 38 years it's never happened but this little baby was now in my arms because she felt comfortable come on guys she felt comfortable in a father's listen I don't have biological children but I take ownership of all this I know your story. 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 When you gave me a hug last night, I felt like I was embracing a son that I've never had. Thank you. Twins for life. Gene. Gene's like this old Geico commercial. Oh, come on. How many know what I'm talking about? Harley Davidson? Geico Insurance. I'm telling you. He's right there. Gene, you ministered to my heart without you even knowing it. But I heard your story of what you have for these kids. That's Gene Gene the Dancing Machine. I'm just telling you right now. Jess, every time I see you, you mess me up. Thank you. And to all the leadership. Dad, you raised a real nugget. She might not be a policewoman, woman, but she, she can hurt somebody. I'm just telling you, I, church, we got to get this. And some people are like, it's late. It's right now. It's 1246. And I know Pastor Ron's usually done by 1215. Every time I say that, you have to laugh. But I can't get away from this altar, this moment. Because some of you made a real decision last night. You received Christ into your life. You took a step of faith. And I want to say this, church, we have an obligation to raise. I might not have children in my house, but I house children all the time. So this is an altar call. This morning we led four to Christ. Two walked, two stayed. That's fine. We led four to Christ. I think it was four. But I believe there's some in this service that are not real with themselves and trying to struggle for the love of a father and this father that wants to run towards you and just grab you where this culture's hurt you. The scars. The scars, the bruises, the, you don't know where I've been. Listen, I don't have to know where you've been, but God's, t- well, God's watched you the whole time. All he's waiting for is that spirit person to come forth and embrace the love of the father. 
So my question is, why are you still running? So ma'am, sir, mom, dad, young person, what are we waiting for? Jesus is coming. He saved the best generation for last. And if culture comes up with another letter for the alphabet, pff, really? You are going to usher in the second coming of Jesus. I believe with all my heart. The little nuggets in the children's department, Gen Z, if you don't watch out, they're going to take over your place. Moses died, Joshua came. Joseph had a dream. Jacob took a birthright. But Esau rose up later and forgave him. And there was reconciliation. Lazarus came forth out of a, out of a tomb. Three days buried, three days stinky. All of a sudden came out fresher than snow and embrace this man named Jesus. So who's dying around you that needs to come out of your tombs? Come on, somebody. This is how we preach. I didn't see you two on the thing, or you, sweetheart. Maybe you're older. Maybe you didn't get a chance to come. Maybe this is your day to find Jesus. I see some of my younger ones over there with, look like Pocahontas with those nice pigtails over there. Yeah, I'm, look, I'm not cockeyed, sweetheart. I'm looking right at you. People think I'm not looking at them. You can dye your hair purple. You can have tattoos. You know what I say anymore? I don't care. That works for you, it would never work for me. My wife wouldn't allow me. But the tattoos tell stories. And they tell a journey, and we get stuck in our churches with people that look different, piercings and tattoos and come up on bikes in different places. Is this not life change, church? So if this is life change, church, why are we not looking to change lives? Sweetheart, I don't know you, but there's a tenderness about you God showed me. I can see it through your eyes. I don't know where you've been and what's going on in your life, but God told me to tell you, whatever it is, it's going to be okay. But you have to trust him. I don't even know you. But your eyes speak volumes to me about a tenderness of God in you. Where are we going, church? What are we doing? Are you willing to walk into a cracker barrel to ask a question? Are you willing to walk into a smoky bones, you guys, and ask one question? Come on, now you know that story is crazy. So, Father, with uh, our attitude right now of gratitude, our spirit right now at 12.51 p.m., God, I'm asking you right now, I know it's late, I know what's going on, I know it's Sunday. Friday came and went, but Sunday's here. Friday came and went, but Sunday's here. God, your resurrection power, your authority, your anointing, God, who you are is in this house today. You are here. You are dwelling among us. You're walking up and down these rows. Jesus Christ, God Almighty, Holy Spirit, you're here. So what do we have to give you? So he's here, church. So why are we not dropping things at his feet? Asking him to take our sandals and make us carriers, UPS for the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. For we carry the power, the authority, the anointing. Come on, somebody. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. 
Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.